Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. I'm Sam Hyde and I'm joined as always by Toby Prisevere, uh, literally in this case, in the words of William Saliba, on est ensemble, that was really bad. On est ensemble, <laughs> on est ensemble. Nice. Uh, Toby, we are in the same room for once. Makes a change, yeah, 23 episodes in, we finally met for the first time. Yep, it's mm. nice to meet you finally. No, that's not correct. <laughs> Uh, if only, hey. Um, this is all the hot banter we can do now that we're in the same room without yeah, internet delay. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Come to visit. It's yeah. the summer holidays. It's not the summer holidays. Because we're adults. Yeah, it's just the summer. So it's been a little while since we've done a podcast. Uh, there's been some football things happening. More things that aren't football things have been happening than football things. But there's been transfers. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand any of what you just said there. But I mean... <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot going on in the world that isn't there, football. Okay, yeah, I see. Whereas I there's, see. there's no matches. Yeah. Because it's summer holidays. There's just a Declan Rice transfer being dragged out over about exactly. three weeks because of paperwork. But yeah. hey, it's done now. Finally got announced that Declan Rice is joining Arsenal. Uh, as did the Urian Timber transfer. I think pretty much everyone knew this was going to happen last week at least so a little it's a little bit of like a damp reveal it's just the state of twitter nowadays isn't it that everyone seems to know exactly what's going to happen long before it does yeah i think also there's so much speculation right Mm. that everything is you're told everything is happening and then one of those like five things happens and then and then one of those five things happens and it's not like a surprise or anything but obviously they got they got like four things wrong but throw enough darts you know something will hit the bullseye right so the state of the state of transfer gossip and football twitter and itks is all quite tiring at the moment yes but all, all of this is kind of gets the point that it's very exciting the Arsenal signed Declan Rice. Uh, I was very excited when the rumours were happening. Uh, we spoke about it last time when Man City were rumoured to be putting in a bid. Uh, and it was a little deflating, but I think at the time I said I was confident it would happen. Uh, all all signs have seemed to be pointing to Arsenal, like Arteta's done a lot of groundwork for this. So he's, he's got his man. And Arteta's think, got his man. Arteta's got his man, and I think it's exciting for the England team as well. I think yeah. I think Arteta having his hands on Rice is likely going to be good for the England team, yeah. um, and obviously good for the Arsenal team. My my not issue or concern. I just think it's a lot of money, and I think he's good, but I don't think he's a hundred. He's not Jude Bellingham. And he's gone for Jude Bellingham money. Yes. And you were never in the conversation for Jude Bellingham. Now, I understand there's more things surrounding getting deals done than purely the transfer, you know, value or whatever. Um, You've got wages, you've got all sorts, you've got agents. But I just, I I find it interesting that it went up to 105 million and yet you weren't even in the conversation for Jude Bellingham. I guess so. But. Declan Rice is going to be a much more stable, hold your position kind of midfielder who is exactly what Arsenal need. And I think I think you just look at the market and I don't know really how that money could have been spent in a better way. I think the Rice transfer feels relatively risk-free. I think if you were spending $100 million on a striker, it could go a lot worse. I think slotting Declan Rice into that sixth role in Arsenal. I can't really see that being a, like a flop, something that would go wrong. No, I, I get that. And I get the... I don't think the market for sort of deep midfielders is fantastic at the moment. Yeah, Something that Liverpool fans are having a meltdown about because of 40 million bids coming for Fabinho mm. from Saudi. And yeah, but we'll come on to that later. But But... I don't. I don't know. I think saying there's no better way of spending 105 million pounds is, is, uh, is ballsy. All right. Because can't you get Caicedo for like? What if you got Caicedo for 70 and then drop 35 on, on someone else? 
I don't I don't think Caicedo's going for 70 though I think it's going to be like 90 uh, for Brighton yeah he's just signed okay. this long contract hasn't he yeah but I don't know if he's going to go for more because Rice has gone for more that's true that that has happened that happened with uh, Mudrick didn't it like when Arsenal were negotiating with Mudrick it was right after Anthony went to Man United who went for like a stupid amount of money I don't I don't think it's a bad signing Rice I don't think it's a bad signing at all I just think, I think you have been actually pushed to a point where you're dropping a hell of a lot of money and you're still just getting Declan Rice. That's not to say it's just Declan Rice, but it's not like, what you said earlier, you were like, oh, you know, you know what you're getting with him. I think you're right, yeah, in the fact that you're not signing a striker who's got to put in a certain amount of goals. Look, you've got like a good midfield anchor who's a good ball winner, reads the game well and is a good physical specimen right he's a good he's a powerful player but you are just getting all of that for 105 mil yeah like i mean i mean like it's a good thing and a bad thing right you know what you're getting and he's probably not going to disappoint on many performances really he's a pretty standard good solid figure out of 10 regularly but he's also just that in a way, he's not a match winner, but then also he kind of is a match winner because he'll allow, I think he'll allow the system to flourish for players to become match winners. So it is good, but it's 105 mil. I just think, I think it, we shouldn't all be shouting from the rafters that it's a fantastic signing. I think it's a, it's a, it's a big outlay. Yeah, but I think, I, I think we're at the, at, I think at the stage of season we're at, it's the transfer window, and the only thing you can talk about is is the financial side of it. Yeah, this, this always happens. It's like you remember the Van Dyke transfer was like an insane amount of money for a centre back at the time, mm. and then like within a couple of years, people just forget about that completely. Um, I think you know we'll see what this Arsenal side can do, but having having Rice as like, especially when Harvest comes in as well, like. Uh, it it just feels like if that midfield three works as well as it feels like it could do, then you're just going to totally forget about the amount of money that they spent on transfer fees, which is kind of like not the important thing anyway, really, at the moment. Transfer fees compared to like the amount of money people are spending on wages is actually like more significant. I, I don't know what wage <laughs> Rice is on. Yeah, but, but it's not going to be Bellingham wages, is it, at Real Madrid? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's rumours that Havertz is on like 300 grand a week. I don't think that's true. Okay, well, yeah, maybe not, but that was plastered everywhere for a bit. But look, anyway, it, it would be weird if you did put Havertz on that, if you kind of like tore up your old wage structure, which was your Aubameyangs and your Lacazette sitting on huge money, and then you ended up bringing in Kai Havertz, who hasn't really, you know, has, has, there's plenty of evidence in, in his career that he can be a fantastic footballer. Yeah. But the fact is, at Chelsea, he wasn't really lighting it up, was he? Yeah, but it's it's the system situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. That's that's what I mean, though. But I mean it in like a. I'd be surprised if you were paying him three hundred grand when okay, when yeah. you could look at that and say, well, hang on, you you've not done it in the Prem yet, essentially. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you won't. He won't do it in the Prem. I think it's an exciting signing, Havertz. I think it's. I think it's quite an interesting one, mm. but I, I think it's an exciting signing. It'll be interesting to see the blend of Rice. We're assuming Havertz is playing that left centre mid role, basically where Shaka was playing, right? Yeah, it's uh, unconfirmed, but well, it's in, in his interviews, he's been speaking about playing as an eight, and then there's been interviews about Rice playing as a six. So, and he's not going to uh, start taking Odegaard's place on the right hand side, is he? Yeah. So and and Shaka's gone. So yeah, it kind of seems fairly self-explanatory that he'll be mm. slotting in there. I think it's going to be interesting to see Rice as that holding player and and Odegaard and Havertz either side. Is it too lightweight? It's again, it's it's the same as the transfer fee. It's all speculation yeah. at this point. We've got literally no idea. Yeah, well, um, Harvard's is big at least as well. Like he's tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is something that Arsenal don't really have a lot of as well. And um, he and he would have come from a, a high pressing league in in 
and team in Leverkusen. Mm. So it's not like he'd be shocked and stunned at the idea of front foot defending and like aggressive pressure from from his kind of role. Exactly, he's German. He's German. He must know how to defend high up the pitch, but. And then also your striker is almost a defensive forward, like not a defensive forward, but he's a... There's a lot of pressing. He, yeah, he, he does a lot of work from, from being a withdrawn striker and packing out that midfield almost at times. Yeah. And, and so there is all the signs that there's a good balance there. Um, but it is also one of those where we'll see. You never really know um, until until it happens. I think like sometimes you do just have to spend the money as well. Uh, I've uh, I've actually like recently bought a new jacket to go into the <laughs> slight uh, slight partridge territory, but uh, this is like the first jacket I've uh, I've bought since uh, I was like seventeen or something, and so I I like it's always wear this jacket. I like I think this jacket is fine. It's not like you know tatty or it's not like falling apart or anything and then like you start actually like thinking about it you start thinking about what how old is this jacket how good is this jacket making me you know it's not like it's not elevating me but people aren't like noticing it's bad they're not noticing it's good you know but it's just a jacket it's just an old jacket at this point and i went on the jacket market and there are it's a lot more expensive to get what you want. Actually. There's a lot out there, but you got to, you, what you said. You're paying a premium. Well, when when I bought a jacket as a teenager, not as expensive as a jacket is now. Right. Well, yeah. I suppose you've been out of the jacket market for so long that exactly. you've not really been keeping up with how how the times have uh, changed. And you know this. A good last... jacket as well, by the way. Thanks, is a, man. Is it? No, no, no. Sorry, that wasn't complete. Oh. Your jacket. <laughs> I've not seen your jacket. Is it the jacket you wore oh, last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a nice jacket. Yeah. yeah. But a good jacket, <laughs> a good jacket, which it is, but a good jacket is a good investment, you know, like a coat. Well, that's what I was thinking, because my last jacket lasted like seven years. Yeah. And so if this lasts me seven years, divide the more expensive price for like a nice high quality jacket. Yeah. And I mean, Declan Rice, you're, he's what, 24-ish or something like that? Yeah. So, you know, let's say he was your sort of, he was a staple in the team for the next six years. You're, you're dividing that £105 up. I mean, this isn't just Chelsea accountants no. um, strategy. This is also, in theory, if, you, if you're breaking it up over the time and you win trophies and things, then it's not scandalous. No. Um, also, I, I bought a, a nice pillow, uh, an yeah. expensive pillow, but a nice pillow. And I've been sleeping very well. I've been sleeping very well with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good level of comfort. It's it's got a firmness to it, um, but not diminishing from comfort. You know, <laughs> it holds its structure well. Is what I mean. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the Arsenal midfield can can hold their structure okay. well f- for you. Uh, but yeah, you've got to invest. You've got to invest. You've got to invest while you're doing well. That's yes. something Liverpool didn't do. Mm. This is what something that Arsenal are doing. We won. Champions League and then didn't invest well you didn't win anything I'd just like to remind just just to say that we won an FA Cup a few seasons ago yeah a few seasons ago you didn't win anything last year you won nothing last year Sam let's just remind ourselves you didn't win anything last year okay but you're investing well and you were still on top in terms of Arsenal in terms of how you've been in recent years so it's a good time to it's a good time to be going into the well going into the window and, and spending big um obviously you know you're breaking the market a, a bit um i'm just trying to annoy you fair? here and you're not and you're not giving me anything but well i've heard it all before yeah it was at last night's I, meal and wow just in general on twitter i just ignore it so <laughs> yeah choosing the just, same approach here then you just turn into a random twitter user for a second uh, you me yeah 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 well yeah like obviously arsenal have gone through the the big rebuild when arteta came in to sort of get rid of all the players that just didn't care really it seemed or just like the, the, the squad wasn't really that much technically worse 
like in the Emery era, but it was just just the way the squad worked together and the 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 way that the management was just the, the whole like managerial structure and behind the scenes was was bad then. And the Arteta years were all about sort of scaling down and having everyone that Arteta wanted and bringing through like Saka and Martinelli. Uh, and it, it it's obviously really works well. I saw something about the the squads that are like the most profitable in how much the value they paid for the players and how much the players are worth now. And Arsenal were top. It's like Brighton in second. And so like we've we've done all this great work for a few years, and now like it's just the time to not really take any chances and just like spend the money and try and capitalize on like this. This, this risky cool. strategy that but we built. We we were talking last night about cultures in the workplace, in you know, you know, whatever. But like the the culture of of a workplace, right? The atmosphere, yeah. And it seems like Arteta came in, and and culture around football is a bit of a, like a buzzword with like the dressing room and stuff. But it seems like Arteta came in stripped stripped the rather than just try and come in and like create a core how's that going to work with what's already existing there so it's like he stripped everything back to to the core changed the core built like rebuilt the core and then allowed everything to grow from that core of of like players and and just even the being receptive to learning right being like like a hunger to learn. That's not to say Aubameyang, Lacazette had stinking attitudes. Pretend maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We don't know, right? But ultimately, if you're just 30, 33 or whatever, I don't know, 30 to 33, that kind of age bracket, and have played in a lot of leagues across, you know, a top, uh, played for a lot of clubs across a lot of top leagues, more Aubameyang that I'm thinking of there. Like, you're just not going to have the same, potentially anyway. It would be it would be a lot easier to not have this like a growth mindset. Now look to become a professional footballer, you've obviously got to have an incredible mindset and an incredible appetite for learning anyway. But you're at a different stage in your career. You've seen different things. You've you you know the the hunger to prove yourself probably isn't there, right? For some players, it would remain. You know, and and some players had their own cer- specific, unique circumstances. Like Shaka, okay, he was older, but he'd gone through some strange experiences in his Arsenal career, which probably meant that he could either have like a fight or flight, and could either be like sod this, I don't even want to win people back over, or he can come through with like a no, let's have a, you know, let's keep the growth mindset. And look, he might just be that kind of person anyway. It, it's not dependent on the scenarios and things. But like stripping back to the core, rebuilding the core, and then investing from that point. Because, well, yeah, it's easy. It's going to be easier to bring people in and then keep that influence, that positive influence, than, you know, change it when it's kind of already there yeah and I, I think like you look at the the big players Arsenal had in the Emery and early Arteta days you're looking at Ozil you're looking at Alexis Sanchez Aubameyang like these players are probably better players than their equivalents in the current Arsenal side but it's it's all about just how Arteta like is cultivating this this culture, like everyone seems to love to play for Arteta, have a great relationship with him. And there's like a bit of a movement where all the Arsenal players are getting married. I don't know if you've seen this. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this, but I think it's just nonsense. Where... I think it's just that you've signed players. No, no, your squad profile is of a similar age where they're no, going to... No. It's Arteta's master plan. No, it's... I'm not having this. He's uh, He's whispering in everyone's ear about settling down. I think that's what I'm guessing. Keeping the London lifestyle, yeah, having lots of uh, lots of good eggs, lots of people that just want to have a nice family and win some football, and that's all you need as long as they're quite good at football. 
I think. Is that how football works? I don't know, but <laughs> but I, I look. I don't know. I'm not going to start leaning into some whole. You know, he's got like an Arsenal vicar, or I don't even know who marries people, priests or vicars. There's an Arsenal dog, by the way. You heard about this? Yeah, okay, but the dog isn't marrying people together. I have heard about the Arsenal dog, but uh, don't get me win. wrong. There's definitely going to be talks of like core values being things like you know you who what you look. He loves his motivation and his intrinsic values and what are you doing this for and things like that. And I think there could be some subliminal messages of like, no, I'm doing all of this for my family and things. And so, yeah, now would be a good time to settle down and marry and show them my commitment and things. That could be sort of seeping through. And also I reckon if people start getting married, I reckon it catches like wildfire. But they're all kids. You've got a team full of kids. Of course they're getting married. They've got loads of money. They've got families. Like it just makes... I just think... It's it's more of a byproduct of the profiles that Arteta has wanted and 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 the squad he's built, rather than he's like dressed up as a vicar, going round marrying people and things, and just there's confetti everywhere in the changing rooms, and it's all just everyone's on a honeymoon. I don't think you can see the Arsenal dream. I think you're you're blind to the the project. If it's not a marital project, Sam, it's not a what is his, is his project that Arteta's so young that. He wants all of his players to get married, have kids, so that he can then also manage them. And it'll just be the same team. It'll be the same surnames, right? Oh, yeah. Because he's young enough. What, he's 30-something? 40, maybe? Arteta? Yeah. Yeah, probably 40. Right, so what? 20 years' time? They all settle down and have kids. Yeah. He'll be 60, and then he'll be like Wenger for the future generation, and he won't allow anyone else into the club. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Don't know. I feel like Arteta's the kind of intense and kind of nuts person who could who could uh be like, No no no, we'll have kids, I'll still manage you now, but then I'll get to work with you kids from the age of five yeah. and think of the super team we can build then. Well, yeah. Because um we we were speaking about our our jobs actually yesterday and like that kind of happens at my company. Like they they'd much prefer to bring in people that they know personally. I thought you meant like People's kids. Well, no, that has happened. No. People's wives. But you're not having kids for the company. You're not breeding. No. It's not like a breeding ground for more employees. I mean, I don't think so. I don't know if there's like subliminal messaging going on. Yeah, is that what you've been brought into? Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Your boss is Arteta. Yeah. Uh, But no, like, you know, obviously Arteta is this great man, manager, it seems. And uh, reading that Jacques has... Now that Jack has left, he's been speaking about the time when basically the fans hated him and he had his bags packed, ready to leave. Him and his wife were going to move somewhere. I can't remember where it was. But uh, Arteta was pretty new in. He called Jack in and said, give me six months and then you can leave. And Jack was saying he always... Every decision he always runs by his family and has a long think about it. But somehow Arteta, just the way that they were speaking, Xhaka decided on the spot. He was like, okay, I'll give you six more months. And then, you know, he started staying for like another two years after that. And then this hit this amazing form last year. So there's some magic. There's some magic going on. Make Mikel's magic. Hey. Yeah. Mikel's magic. Right. Okay. That's enough. Of, oh, one other thing actually on Arsenal. Um, defensively, Jurian Timber, he's another yes. right back centre back. He is. You've got three right back centre backs. Who's the other one? Is Tommy Asu not one? Oh, uh, 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 centre back well, okay. and three. I'm thinking of Ben White because Ben White and Timber are kind of like centre back, right backs. I'd say, whereas Tommy Asu is like a right back, centre back, left back. Okay. So look, obviously we like flexibility across the back line. That's that's, that's great. Where, where do you see, or do you see your best defence being next year? Completely speculation. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. are you seeing him coming in and taking a place, Timber? No, I'm. I'm. I, it's I've, a lot of games: Champions League, FA Cup, yeah, League exactly. Cup. So I really feel like the the preferred defence is going to be the same as last season. So it's going to be Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba, Ben White. Um, but yeah, obviously what Timber brings is someone who's basically at the level of Ben White or, you know, Gabriel, like, 
not as good as Gabriel, but is a very competent cover for it. Yeah. And you saw last season when Saliba and Tommy Asu got injured at the same time, how how badly that affected Arsenal. And just sort of getting to that almost City level is what you want to be, where it doesn't matter if you're rotating the squad because the the cover isn't at, uh, of the same quality as the first choice. So, uh, And it's that kind of competition as well. Like Ben White is not going to be a nailed right back for the whole season. Um, he was been absolutely brilliant since he's come to Arsenal, but there were like times where his form was dipping and maybe you can bring in Timber for then. And then the, you, you, it's just like fighting for the place. Like everyone um, can't be complacent anymore. So yeah, I mean, I competition's like going to drive up the 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 quality of the first team who who start because they have to yeah. be playing at that level to keep their place. So and he's twenty two as well. So um, who knows? Like anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a young. Well, it adds into this young core. Flexible yeah. players who can fit the model and the, and the style. Well, I think is a good signing, um, definitely. But um, yeah, and like if you're thinking really long term, maybe Gabriel leaves in a couple of seasons. I don't know when he's 27, he might want to go to a new club. Then you can just slot Ben White in at centre back and Timber at right back. Yeah, and someone else would come in. He's another 21 year old or something. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's good signing, and I think that was the big thing that we kind of spoke about last year. Maybe was the fact that look, Arsenal's first team was playing brilliantly and was blowing teams away. But as soon as you drop into the squad um, and you have to dip into squad players, and you've got like Rob Holding coming in, and and you know, um, even in, like yeah, potentially Inketia, you're looking at you think he did well, but. You know, there, there are a few players where you just start to think, if we have more depth, you know, the wheels aren't just going to fall off like they did last year. Yeah, that was the great thing about the Trossard signing in uh, in January, is that he, he can play anywhere, <laughs> basically in attack. Uh, you know, he's playing false nine a lot, but also can play on either wing or in like a deeper role as like a 10. And so when we signed Trossard, we were saying, well, where's he going to play? He's not really going to take Martinelli's spot. He's not going to take Jesus's spot. But he still had like a really great season. And it was because he could just play wherever, whenever he was needed. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not where he's going to play. It's just when's he going to be needed to play, yeah. I suppose. And then he'll just fit into wherever it needs to be. And if you're versatile, you you know, you can play two positions. Your amount of uh, rotation appearances can be like doubled. So, um Right, but anyway, it's not an Arsenal podcast, so I think we could probably move on. But it's an Arsenal Liverpool podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is these days. So moving on, as mentioned before, uh, Al Ittihad have come in with a forty million pounds uh, bid for Fabinho. He has then not come on the preseason tour in Germany. Uh, I don't know if the preseason. Yeah, well, we're we're doing our preseason camp in Germany. I don't know if it's the full tour or whatever, but. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. It's not the important part of information here. He's not gone to Germany with the rest of the squad. Klopp likes to get his people swimming in lakes together and stuff. I usually oh, yeah. watch stuff like that. Any like inflatable well, unicorns? No, no, no. It's serious over here, Sam. Okay. Uh, that's why we win trophies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I suppose the first, well, and then alongside that is Henderson. I hold the bark around him about El Etifak. Not Al Etihad, Al Etifak this time, uh, who are not one of the PIF funded, basically state funded clubs, but they got Gerard in through the door. They have reportedly offered £700,000 a week to Jordan Henderson, who has agreed to that. Better taxes over there as well. Yeah, so you're keeping a lot more of that, 700000 uh, who's currently on £200,000 a week at Liverpool. Um, but, yes, they basically tripled his wage, but then didn't realise that they couldn't sign him for free, is what's being reported, and are looking at trying to offer 10 mil or 20 mil. But there's So there's two different parts of this, obviously with the two different players. 
Now, Fabinho has been left out of the, uh, has stayed behind and not gone to Germany. So it looks like he's pretty much out the door, right? Now, of the two, despite Henderson being the club captain, I'd rather we lost Henderson. Because I feel like you'd be selling him at the right kind of point. I don't think he's going to be too influential in with the signings that we brought in, having McAllister and um, Soboschlei. I think he would be influential in the dressing room and all the th- all the off the pitch things that can come with having a Jordan Henderson, um, setting standards and and you know keeping focus and look you can't disrespect the guy in the, in in what we have won while he has been captain, we've won everything, but thirty three years of age it would be a good time to kind of get him out the door and get new a, a new era in right because we've already brought the new players in. So, I would rather he goes, but it looks like he'll stay and Fabinho will go. Fabinho wasn't himself last year, but the team had structural issues. And um, what's the mark? I mean, the 40 mil, we signed for 45, so it's actually pretty good business. Mm. But what's the market currently for sixes, as touched upon with the Declan Rice situation? We can't be bringing in someone who's going to be great in five years. And... Uh... Yeah, it, it it's it's his case when like a new football market opens up as well, really, and like the case of Saudi Arabia is, um, they've got money to spend, and so there there've been rumours about bids for Partey as well. I think Arsenal want fifty mil or something. I think they're bidding a bit less, but it's still like thirty or forty mil for Partey. It's pretty good. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, it it's quite hard to judge when it's just coming through uh, i don't know what like what's the contract situation with fabinho and henderson as well are they henderson's got another two years he signed one i think last year at the beginning <laughs> of the season he's got another two years so they thought they were getting him for, for free i don't understand where the logic came from there that you could sign liverpool captain england international you know but anyway clearly there was a breakdown in some sort of communication there um and Al-Etifak aren't one of the state-funded teams and have had an issue apparently not playing, not paying player wages in the Saudi league has been fairly common or more common than it should be. Um, so if, you know, if we were looking at selling Henderson, I think you'd, even if it was 20 mil, you'd need to take the 20 mil as much of that as you can up front and not be taking it staggered because I'm not sure you'd really see some of it. Um, potentially if things got that way if they are looking at paying him £700,000 a week um, Fabinho I'm not too I'm not entirely sure of his contract um, look I think Fabinho would be someone would be looking to shift on I don't think it would be bad business to sell him for £40 million. it's just who do you bring in now Henderson has played as a 6 for us before Thiago has played in a six, as a 6 in his career before we have Bajatic coming through but he's 19. But he did sort of put new blood and new life into Liverpool's midfield and kind of was a bit of a stopgap and, and sorted things out a little bit until we kind of hit this new system. But I don't really want to be going into the season relying on a 19-year-old. As, like It'll be the same story as last season if we if we start doing that. Um, and McAllister has played as a deeper midfield role, but you're not going to put him as like a lone six Really, it's not what he was signed to do, I don't suppose. So, uh, the question for whether it would be a good sale is what are we bringing in? And if it's Romeo Lavia, which is spoken about a lot, I like the idea of it, but you're just signing another player who is too far away from his prime. And that's not to say his prime won't be great, but we need we need a prime now. It's another 19-year-old as well. Yeah. Did you know he's 19? I did know he was 19. I told you he was 19. Anyway, the the other thing to look at is that Klopp has a history of converting someone into a, into a defensive midfielder. So Fabinho was a fullback, predominantly at Monaco. Right, right. He played as a holding midfielder a bit, but he wasn't really his main... So uh, there's that. So who next? So and who next? Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson is going to be a deep lying midfielder when he gets slow. Yeah, he's, he's that would going be to get hideous. slow. That would be horrible. He's so left footed. 
That'd be so awful. Um, look, Trent could do it. Look, if the market for right-backs is better, would it be outrageous to suggest signing a right-back? The issue with that is that I actually prefer Trent playing at right-back and just coming infield in possession rather than starting in centre midfield. I don't think it solves issues because I think what was good about last season was that he was coming inside and then you had Jones and Henderson as the eights going higher. And it didn't. It, if the move had broken down, it wouldn't have mattered because you had Fabinho and Trent kind of as a double pivot there. But I think if you just start him as the CDM instead, you just he's going to have the issues that Fabinho had at the start of last year, where he just looked completely off it because we were just exposed and open. So there is that option, but I don't like that option as much. Um, I'd like a too many, but yeah, what's happening with the rumours about him? Because I, I. Th- I thought he was really good and too good for leaving Real Madrid. Is that the guy? Yes. Well, I think he is, but also I think I think they well, they've had some investigations into finances. Which I'm sure they'll just get a little slap on the wrist and shake hands and told everything's gonna be okay because you can do whatever you want. So they shouldn't need it on that. <laughs> but I think also they want Mbappe. Oh, yeah, and I think whether they because there was even talks that they let Vasquez go for a substantial fee, but they'd let him go, not Vasquez, sorry. Um, Uruguayan, what's the, who's the Uruguayan centre mid? Palestri. No, not Palestri. Sam. Lucas Torreira. No. <laughs> Valverde. Val Fede Valverde. There we go. There were talks that they would they would negotiate on Fede Valverde, who's like you know next next big thing as well. But they've got so many. They've got Jude Bellingham, Camavinga, Chouameni, Valverde. Yeah, I think if they were to bring in Mbappe, uh, they'd have to free up funds. And I think they'd... I mean, Mbappe's looking at leaving PSG. And PSG is saying, no, you can't go on a free at the end of your contract. Anyway, this is all to say, could Chouameni be an option? Yes, he's very good, but I think he's young. I think they're just looking at how essential is he right now and could we free up funds to get another... Galactico megastar. If that's the case, then I would just throw the house at Chiumeni. Can you not throw the house at Mbappe? Is that more fun? Well, I don't really think he needs to play. In the, he doesn't play in the sixth, so we're not going <laughs> to. You don't need a sixth. Play him as a defensive midfielder. Do you have Mbappe? Mbappe and Salah you don't need sixes. Yeah, but it, it's a different kind of house that you've got to throw. <laughs> All right. Because the house. You throw the house, but the house still costs, even once you've thrown it, for the next, every week, it's costing you millions. You can only throw the house that you've got. And you need to keep throwing, you need to throw the house at PSG, but then you need to keep throwing houses at Mbappe personally. Yeah, I forget there's going to be a transfer fee, isn't there? Well, this is the, this is the whole... That's going to be a trouble. This is the whole debate about it, right? Is, is PSG are adamant that if he's leaving, it's not on a free... And if he's not going to sign a contract, that's fine, but they're just going to sell him then. But then if no one's going to pay what they're going to want. So they're, they're acting as if they've got all the power, but they kind yeah. of don't have all the power. Because it's not it's not their place to say he can't leave on a free, because what, are they going to force him to sign a contract? You can't do that. Yeah, they're really negotiating as if they've got all the power, but they don't. It's only a year. It's not a World Cup year or anything. Not that it would matter for Mbappé. <laughs> but yeah. So so yeah. Anyway, Liverpool's midfield. Look, there's been I've been happy with the rebuild so far. I like Soberschlein and McAllister, and I like you know the idea of it. Obviously, we're in speculation season. Who knows? Uh, we could kick the season off against Chelsea and get done by Poch's new boys. But I'm liking it so far. But we, we'll see. There's a gaping. There's a gaping hole in midfield if Fabinho goes. Okay, I'll take the money. That's what I do. But what can you get for 40 mil? Lavia is going to cost 50, apparently. Yeah. And he's not going to be a like for like prime to prime, you know. I think you've got to take the 40 and then throw 70 at too many. I mean, you would have loved to have paid 100 mil for rice, right? Mm, yeah. Well, if I'd, yeah, if I'd known Fabinho was out the door, then yeah, I guess you've brought this full circle and you've, you've won. 
Yes. I always win. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's... I don't know. I think I needed to just vent about Liverpool's midfield more than anything. Um, well, yeah, it'll be a big few weeks. In terms of other news, Luton games being pushed back because the stadium, everyone's been memeing and loving the fact that Kenilworth Road or whatever is tiny. Well, get them out the prem, I see. They're not oh, worthy. Okay. Uh, I saw a, I saw a good meme recently. You know, you know this like really weird grimace shake. Yeah, I don't understand trend. it because I don't know who Grimace is. We're not on TikTok and we don't have Grimace in the UK. Right, so I've got no chance. Uh, but there was there was quite a funny version done by uh, Courtney Cox. You know her? She's in the Seinfeld episode, The Wife. <sighs> Sam, and I don't have TikTok. I don't she's know who Grimace is. And I have never even watched a Seinfeld episode. You don't know who Courtney Cox is in Friends? I was doing a little little funny joke. Oh, and it was which one? Which which friend is she? She's the don't watch Friends. Monica. Monica. She's the, the one with the dark hair. hair. Okay. Yeah. She's the one that's not Jennifer Aniston. And she's she's not, not the Phoebe. other one. Yeah. So she did a funny uh, Grimace shake video. I'd recommend it. <laughs> that's the news. No, yeah, you should watch it. Is this tied into football in I any can show way? You, no, I can show you it is now. Is it tied into Kenilworth Road? No. It's just a meme I saw. Oh, okay. Sorry, how... Do you want to watch it now? Yeah, okay. Uh. <laughs> okay. This is the only chance we have to uh, to share memes on the podcast. No, that's not true at all. No, it doesn't work on the internet. Right. Uh, I get to actually see your reaction. Are you still going to send it to me? I could put it on the TV. This is so unnecessary, but yeah, sure. Are we still podcasting? Have you poured water all down here? Where? There. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know how that happened. Right, what's this meme? Alright, you've seen the meme. What do you think of my reaction? Oh, you've not reacted. No, that was my reaction. <laughs> okay, well that's... Uh, that's well, I knew saying. I knew something was going to happen to the dog. I didn't know they'd grow the dog. I thought they'd just kill the dog. It's very good special effects. Is it? Yeah. Do you know you know you don't know Courtney Cox though, do you? Well, I I do. Well, I don't know. Do you know Courtney Cox? Do you <laughs> yeah, know her like that? She's in the Scream movies as well. Right. So Kenilworth Road. Uh, oh, I was hoping that would end that conversation on Luton. Uh, oh, okay. Is that your new tactic of just getting me to move on from <laughs> things you don't like? You're just going to show me terrible memes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can move on from. You could have just asked. Um, no. FPL. Mm-hmm. That's the next topic of conversation. We've done Arsenal, we've done Liverpool. It's FPL now. It's back. It is back. Uh, Harlan costs 14 mil. First question, how much would he have had to cost for you to not pick him? Uh, oh, a lot, actually. How, how much? I think there's like the kind of fear of missing out with Haaland. Like, okay, uh, but what? how much? 16 mil, are you still getting him? Yeah, I'm thinking 18 is too much. 18 mil would be too much. Because the thing is, so seventeen point five mil, you'd be you'd be playing with your team yeah, and yeah. just struggling through the rest of the team. Well, it's such like a reliable captain choice is the thing which you can't underestimate. Um, but yeah, so we thought we would uh, go through an early early draft of our teams. Does that sound fun? Have you got any wild card choices? Wild card choices. Well, I do, but okay. No, the first thing I would like to discuss. Have you gone Haaland and Salah? No. Okay. Okay. So I have, obviously. Okay. But is that because you're not going to captain Salah? So you're thinking, what's the point? Or do you just think not reliable numbers? I think Salah's too expensive. Um, I think it's too much work to get Salah in. I, I will say that there are big, like, asterisks on my team. Because at one point I did have De Bruyne in. But then it looks like De Bruyne might be injured. So I took him out for a moment. And I have Kane in at the moment as well. Okay. Kane might be off out. So my team could be totally different in well, a few weeks. I'd like to say I'm not set on Salah. Yeah. But that's more because I've got 
Haaland, Salah, and Trent. Oh, I don't have Trent either. So for me, Trent is going to be essential. This is the Liverpool fans. FPL team. Yes. So the rest of the team is a mess because of that. You, yeah. It is quite hard, actually, with uh, getting the premiums in. Yeah. But we'll see what you think. Because because I do have... I've got a bad team currently. Ah, okay, great. So That's what you want. I mean, Semenyo's in there. Uh, I looked at him. Because well, he's actually like the best choice for a, for cheap. For a 4.5. Yeah, for, so he's sitting on the end... Friend, friend of the podcast, friend. only friend that we've not met. No, but but we enjoy. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to just take you through my team? Should we go are through you, it? Are you intrigued at the fact that I've got Salah, Trent, and ha- and Holland? Uh, I mean, yeah, but it is also quite predictable for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I've got to have Holland, and then I've got let's, to have... uh, let's let's go like line by line on our teams. Okay. Keeper, you want to go first or? or... Uh, you go first. Leno. Good choice. I've gone for Bart Verbruggen. Okay. Okay. You know this I guy? Know, I know the guy. Brighton. I feel like he has to start for Brighton. Well, why? Because uh, last season they were playing Steel for a lot at the end of the season. Yeah. Like, Robert Sanchez has played for Spain and that. And they're like, no, nah, we don't really like Robert Sanchez. And so, if Steel is the first choice, he's not like, he's not great. He's very, he, he did like fine for Brighton. But they brought in this new guy who is young. And surely has been bought for the team. Yeah. Like, the way way that he plays is going to be, like, so Brighton. It's going to be exactly what they want. Like, it's only from Anderlecht, I think. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I feel like he has to start. But there's this same situation as well at Brentford as well, where they've brought in Flecken, but they've not got rid of David Raya yet. But, well, they've also got Strakosha. Yeah, but I don't know. But he he came from what like Lazio or something, and was pretty decent. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. watched him, but he he was there was a bit of excitement about it. But it, it just feels like yeah, it's not really kicked on. And you know they've they've got three keepers at the moment who are all yeah pretty good level. Uh, it's quite an awkward situation. It feels like Raya has to go, but because I was looking at Flecken, yeah. yeah. Because I'd seen somewhere on Twitter that supposedly he was going to be the starting keeper and stuff, but and then I wanted to see if Strakosha was like cheap or if Flecken was cheap because FPL didn't know, and they also did the same for the Brighton keepers because I wondered if one of them would be a four and the others a four point five, but they're all four point well, yeah, they're all four point fives, right? So I was thinking. Also, the announcement video was good. Oh, uh, the Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very funny word on Brighton. So. That actually, I was kind of leaning into it, but then four point five, I was like, uh, "You know, that definitely influenced me a lot." By the way, actually, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I saw that. I, I definitely, yeah, a hundred percent. I could tell that it would have done. So anyway, Leno, and then my backup keeper. Is... Uh, I, I just want to say, I think Brighton are better than Brentford. Is what? Okay. So we turned the Verbruggen. Okay. Route. Well, then my backup keeper is Strakosha. Oh, the four point five. Yeah, so I'm probably going to change that up because as as the. As the uh, transfer window progresses, and we've got a few more, a bit more evidence, it's probably going to change. I've gone for Ariola as the 4.0. It feels like he's the most likely the 4.0s to play, going up against Fabianski, who is like a very old man. Also, Strakosha 4.0. Oh, uh, is he? Sorry. Okay. Because I was thinking, because I've got a mill in the bank, and I was thinking, so I've got Haaland. Salah, Trent, and a mill in the bank. Okay, a mill, loads of money, loads of money. Okay, back four. Yeah, you want me to go first again? Yeah. Trent, uh-huh. Saliba, mm-hmm. Dan Burn, <laughs> and Ben Me. Ben Me. Who's who's the fifth defender? Kiana Herber. Oh, yeah, okay. The, the cheap, I guess. And ex-Liverpool. Uh, of course. <laughs> so, my my defence, uh, for ages I had uh, Malo Gusto in there. Okay. And Reese James just picked up a knock, but he's not in my team anymore. Because I, I changed the structure a little bit. I've gone very cheap in defence. So, I've got Saliba, Estupinian, Pau Torres. I like that. 
George Baldock, who's a 4.0 that's going to start. It's my right. hot tip. And uh, Tarkovsky. How much is Tarkovsky? 4.5. Okay. Everton, Everton, Everton defense is really cheap because they nearly got relegated. Right, terrible. <laughs> but I believe in Deitch. I believe that uh, it could be onto something. I don't know. Uh, they've signed Ashley Young. Wow. wow. <laughs> Get him in. <laughs> Get all the Everton assets. I'm going to bring in um, the entire Everton defence now. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, I'm looking at changing Dan Byrne and Ben Mee, to be honest, because I feel like 4.5 and 5 for two good, solid English blokes. I feel like there's a bit of a lack of flavour there. You went for Byrne over Botman. Byrne over Botman, yeah. Uh, kind of just because... Well, he's taller, isn't he? Yeah. And plays left back. So. And he's English. Well, no, it's not an English thing. Support your country. Um, But also me for five mil. I don't know. I don't know. There's going to be like cheaper Brentford defenders, isn't there? Rico Henry? Yeah. I don't know if he's cheaper. He's good though. I don't know. But. That's who I've got at the moment. Very nice. I believe in George Baldock. I think he he won his place back in like the second half of the season. Very attacking. Sheffield United. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I brought him in when Sheffield United were in the league last season. It gets really high on the pitch. What you brought him in when Sheffield not, United were in the league last year? The last season. Oh, the Sheffield last. United were in the, the last two years ago. I see. Yeah. I was gonna say. I was thinking. I don't think you did. Okay. And Trent, why why no Trent? Eight mil too much for a centre mid who's playing at right back and can get clean sheet points and uh, got a well was top on a lot of numbers uh, when he moved to the inverted role, most assists in that period. It's a lot, but actually his underlying numbers um, dropped, especially compared to previous seasons when he went to the central role. His actual chance creation numbers were not as good, even though his assists were good. He was uh, overperforming. Okay. Okay. But could it not be that he's got... He's mm, getting more opportunities to cross in from wider areas, which is kind of inflating numbers, but actually the chances aren't necessarily easier to take. I think it's just too much money and there's more value in midfield. Okay. I'm keeping Trent. Um, But I I appreciate your points and it's fair enough. Midfield, you want to go first this time? No. Erdegaard. <laughs> Saka. Yep. Salah. Yep. Jacob Ramsey. He's injured. <laughs> yeah, he got injured in the other 21 year, didn't he? Yeah, he's out for like six weeks. Okay, well, we'll we'll, we'll revisit. <laughs> Maybe he might be out of the team. And this is my wild card. Tangai Undumbele. Oh, wow. I've heard people talking about him. Uh, is he, he's not going to play. Anything. He's probably not going to play, no. 4.5, though. 4.5. It's cheap for... He's an ace. And look, Big Ange, he might fancy him. He might fancy him. Um, It might be a match made in heaven. And you know what? He was on my bench anyway. So as long as I can get someone else in for Jacob Ramsey at 6 mil, who I'd start ahead of in Dumbelli, I think he'll probably stay. And 4.5, even if he just, even if he just starts playing, I reckon his value would go up a bit. Interesting. There is competition in the Spurs midfield, though. Mm. Madison in there as well. Okay. So my midfield, I'm playing a midfield three, but I have some flexibility in in squad choices. Uh, So Saka, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford. So Rashford used to be De Bruyne, but I've changed it. How much is Rashford now? Nine. Okay. It's not bad. Um, well, I've got, some I've got a million in the bank to replace Jacob Ramsey. Go up to a seven. Yeah. So the two on my bench are uh, Chiquinho, who is the 4.5 choice from Wolves. Don't know if he'll play. And uh, I've got Bruin Madweke as well. Okay. Who's 5.5. Okay. I think that could be fun. Yeah. That's There's someone to not rely on, but have occasionally. Uh, I would like De Bruyne because I think he's pretty cheap. How much is uh, he? Ten point five. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so I think it's like a 
I think he's better value than Salah. Hmm. He is. But how much would he play? Yeah, well, he, he might be a bit slow to come back after his injury. So that is the worry. That's why I took him out for Rashford, who at the moment seems to be like he's going to be playing very attacking again. So my bench is just so... So I'm playing 4-14. Strakosha and Dumbele, Herva, Semenya on the bench. I see. So two up top, Holland and... <laughs> Look, I had to go cheap. Yeah. Oh. I've got... I've got... I've got Trent, Erdegaard, Saka, Salah, Holland. Yeah. So I've had to go cheap on my other striker. And I've gone for Joao Pedro. Ah, uh, yes, at Brighton. Yes. Interesting. Now, minutes uh, mm-hmm. the issue there. So we'll see if that, but that might not stay like that. And there's a mill in the bank. But if I've got to replace Jacob Ramsey, I don't know. And also, I might. Also, just get rid of Salah because a lot of improvements could be made with the Salah money. Yes. But anyway, your forward line: Holland, Kane. Uh, is it called Evan? <laughs> Evan Ferguson, who is the other Jao Pedro in the Brighton team. The other striker, yes. Yes, uh, signed quite a good contract towards the end of last season. Obviously, Jao Pedro has come in, so it's a risk. They might both play. They might ne- neither play. Yeah. I mean, I Pedro, think Evan yeah. Ferguson would probably play more than... How much is Evan Ferguson? Six. I think the same price. Well, Joel Pedro is 5.5. Ah, uh, I see. I'm not sure if Joel Pedro would play like a bit deeper than Ferguson. Ferguson a bit more classic forward, isn't he? Potentially, yeah. But I think Joel Pedro is quite striker-ish, you know. Um, I need to get my, my friend... Sahail, Watford fan, on the phone. And I uh, just run through a th- few things with him, a few details. But um, well, most of my Jao Pedro experience is from our football manager. Yes. Uh, ended campaign uh, where I had Jao Pedro and he was rubbish. Yes. He was awful. Uh, but I did watch Watford at, uh, when they were in the Prem and he was playing. I think he's come on a bit since then. But yeah, it was like, he wasn't Dennis, he wasn't Josh King. He was like, kind of okay. Joao Pedro? Who are you? Is that what you were saying? What? I don't know. <laughs> I know who he is. Uh, yeah, he had like a really weird... I think he got in like a kind of fight with one of his teammates when they were getting relegated. Yeah, I think there was a training ground. Got really angry at Training ground. No, on the pitch. Oh, on the pitch. Was, not, not, not like a fight, he was just like shouting at... They were, hustle, he, him and someone else were shouting at someone. I was thinking of like a training ground spat. Yeah, but maybe I, I think someone was. Else. I think someone was shouting at him. Maybe I don't know. I'm sure he's all past that. I, I think he'll be good. Is Ishmael Asar still at Watford? Don't know. See, like Nice. Are you googling? He's at Watford. Oh, I thought he went to Nice. Everyone goes to Nice, don't they now? But um, yeah. Anyway, there are FPL teams. They're Subject to a lot of change, but it's interesting actually uh, with Odegaard because uh, we, we were speaking about this last night as well. Actually, like Odegaard has been like a really popular choice in FPL even last season, and I, I never had Odegaard in my team. Uh, and what I was saying to you last night is that uh, people's perception of Odegaard is that he is a De Bruyne player, uh, and I was quite surprised at the amount of FPL points he was getting. Uh, a lot of that is due to him actually just like shooting a lot more than a lot of Arsenal players. He got quite a few goals just from like the edge of the box. Uh, so obviously it uh, it is a thing that he does get points. He does get goals. He does get some assists. Uh, but it's just when I watch him, he's he doesn't feel the same level of threat as Saka and Martinelli. Yeah. But would you not say that his sort of footballing intelligence and timing is what's leading yes. him to sort of interpret the space to attack the box at the right time to score from the edge? Of the, I'm just thinking like arriving onto the edge of the box and, and rolling that ball into the bottom corners and things like that. I appreciate that he uh, that you're not seeing him as the conventional 10. But at the same time, sort of game intelligence and technical ability means that he can 
provide a good amount of assists and goals. Yes. You know, like, pretty much everyone in the Arsenal team, in the Arsenal attack, had good numbers last season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the, the those players get the same numbers, like who improves, who drops off a bit. Like, maybe the system might change a little bit, having Harvards in there as well. Um, yeah, I don't know, because Odegaard isn't a creator. Uh, I mentioned the stat to you that... Uh, the players with the most passes into the box are Fernandez and De Bruyne by a long way. Um, and those are the classic tens who are these creators, whereas Odegaard is going to be much more, m- much more further back, much more like shorter passing, making the tempo and then uh, all the amazing off the, ball, off the ball work he does as well. And I think he had definitely a better season than De Bruyne last season. I think people forget the first half of the season before the World Cup uh, understandably Odegaard was absolutely brilliant in the first half Arsenal's best player definitely in the second half of the season as well even when Arsenal were playing poorly Uh, I'm sure he'll have a brilliant season again but I think is he the same price as Martinelli or not? Or is Martinelli more? How much is Odegaard? 8.5 I think I see, same as Saka Yeah. Hmm. Interesting yeah, that okay. That's what's putting me off Odegaard because he was a little bit cheaper than Saka last year. Who were your Arsenal players then? Sorry, uh, Saka and Saliba. That's all I have. I've gone for Rashford. Okay, well maybe believe... we'll do this again. We'll do this again towards the end of the before the first week to see how we change. We'll see how we change. At the moment, I'm feeling quite confident in Ten Hag for some reason. I think Bruno's going to just wang a load of balls into Rashford. I think also Anana going in there yeah. will help the top end of the pitch far more. I think you can just recycle possession more comfortably. You can be like a a team that dominates the ball quite comfortably. Um, and teams pressing them will probably struggle because, you know, you've got a good player with their feet to go back to to then recycle and, and just kind of get out of danger with, uh, which I think will affect the top end of the pitch. So I think that could be positive. But we'll see. Intelligence is knowing that Anana is a good goalkeeper in, in, in the modern sense of playing out from the back. Wisdom is knowing that United will still manage to balls everything up. I'm going to recycle my jacket analogy because I think having a ball-playing goalkeeper is like getting a new jacket. You like you get you so used to having an old jacket, you don't realize how the benefits. Bad, yeah, you don't realize how bad things could be. How much your life can change with a new jacket. Imagine paying David de Gea three hundred seventy-five thousand pounds a week and thinking that's the pinnacle, you know, yeah. and him winning the Golden Glove, and you're just thinking, yeah, but but we've got a great jacket, but it keeps me dry. But then you get a new jacket and you think, hang on, it's cheaper than the old jacket. Which in your case it isn't, but anyway, it's cheaper than the old jacket. It keeps me dry, but it looks incredible as well, and it's reversible. Um, yeah, you know, it's flexible. It's multi-use. You know, it's got loads of benefits that I hadn't considered before, even mm. being an option. You know, you're right. I think having a ball-playing keeper is like uh, when you buy like a more expensive orange juice or something. You can't go back. You notice all the imperfections. Like when I'm watching uh, teams that aren't having ball-playing goalkeepers, it's just like weird. It's like it's not real. It's not modern. It's not modern-day football. Yeah. They're yeah. still playing in the dark ages. You yeah. know. I you know obviously some teams do not want to play with a ball-playing goalkeeper. There, there's a lot of you know. The bad teams, that's what I mean. There's, there's, not, there's not a purpose for it. Yes. But a lot of Premier League teams would benefit a lot from having a ball-playing goalkeeper. Absolutely. You've got 11 outfield players and only 10 players can press. I think Man United are one of the good teams, so I think they will benefit from... I think they no, no. had a great final. So. But hopefully they still manage to you know, mess things up. Okay. They're going to win the league. We'll say that. <laughs> they're not going to win the league. <laughs> no, they're not. I think that wraps things up. Yep. Well, this has been uh, this has been a interesting new take on the podcast, I guess. Uh, 
I'm going to have to say goodbye to you, but I'm still going to be looking at yeah, you. Yeah, we don't know how to say goodbye. Um, well, thank you for being here in the real world. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back at some point when more football happens. I'll be back and will be back, but I won't be back when we'll be back. We'll be back on the internet. Exactly. No, I think what I said made Which perfect we are sense. Now. I'll be back, but we'll be back. But when we when we are back, I won't be back, but we'll be back. Okay. Is this dialogue from the new Terminator film? It sounds like it. It sounds like it's it. It's that bad. I'll be back. Okay. Goodbye, Toby. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.